Yes, people, as we start part two of this week's episode, we got two more reviews for you, people. So sit back and let's get it popping. Okay, people, so did you know that um, every year we have Earth Day? And did you know that Earth Day is on the 22nd of April each year? So, it started in 1970. But in the, you know, in the beginnings of it all, it was just an American thing. But in 1990, it went global. And so now, every 22nd of April, everyone around the world acknowledges Earth Day. Well, I mean, if they know it's happening. So, um, because of this, to mark the event, Apple have um, decided to launch free shows, right? Two TV series and a new documentary. So, the documentary... We decided to take a little gander at. It's called The Year the Earth Changed. Okay. And. Ah. People. It is narrated by. The great. The legend. David Attenborough. ah, There is something about a documentary. You know. Voiced by David Attenborough. It gives it that gravitas. You know what I mean? For some reason, you want to sit down and take this shit seriously. So the gist of this this new piece, right? So it's showcasing exclusive footage from around the world after an unprecedented year. The Year the Earth Changed is a timely documentary special that takes a fresh new approach to the global lockdown and the uplifting stories that have come out of it. From hearing birdsong in deserted cities to witnessing whales communicating in new ways to encountering capybaras, capybaras, Hmm, I think that's how you pronounce it. They're those crazy things that look like giant rats. But yes, capybaras in South American suburbs. People all over the world have had the chance to engage with nature like never before. In the one-hour special, it's 48 minutes, viewers will witness how changes in human behavior Reducing cruise ship traffic, closing beaches a few days a year, identifying more harmonious ways for humans and wildlife to coexist can have a profound impact on nature. The documentary narrated by David Attenborough is a love letter to planet Earth, highlighting the ways nature bounces back can give us hope for the future. It's produced by BBC Studios Natural History Unit. And, um, yeah, it is. It's a very nice piece of work, people. Right? So, um, I it opens up, right, with um, 
streets. You know, like we're moving through these deserted streets of um, different places around the world. You know, we follow a bird in the sky. I want to say eagle because eagles are majestic. It might be something else, but yeah. We're going through Times Square at first, but then it kind of, you know, takes that same view, you know, that same slowly moving forward through a street to other major cities around the world at different times of the day, you know, and, and it's fascinating, right? So we see all of these great views, but everywhere's the same. It's empty. No one's out and about, which it actually was like that. Remember, at the very start, the streets were dead. No one was there, right? No one was around. And, um, so the documentary, you know, it, it looks at how this affected nature, you know, and it, you know, it starts with like a month in, two months in, three months in, and it kind of jumps, jumps like that to show how gradually we saw these different kind of um, adaptations, you know, which is crazy. It's fascinating. You know, and when you hear, like, some of the numbers that they drop on you, you're just like, good damn. Right, so, um, you know, we look at loggerhead turtles. You know, turtle numbers had dropped drastically over the years. So they said in the, the last um, 10 years... Right, the the nesting success rate had dropped forty percent, but during lockdown, the numbers had risen to sixty one percent. Right, and it's the crazy thing is with some of you know animals, that their breeding is very specific, which shouldn't be that much of a surprise, you know, because as they learned when they dammed up rivers and found salmon weren't, you know, going anywhere, because, you know, their, their, their travels, their routes, you know, the way they go to, um, you know, the spot to give birth had all been fucked up, so yeah, turtles, because everyone's on the beach, you know, they weren't going back to the beaches as much, you know, but now no one's on the beach, so they were going, you know, which is fascinating, you know, whales, right, a, a, a very similar thing, so, um, you know, they said, like, in the past, only 7% of calves made it to adulthood, right, she's crazy, but, Oh man, some of the, the 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 way you're getting these shots, like with the turtles, there's I mean I don't know. I, I guess it's a little invasive, right? Because we we there's a shot of a turtle sitting over this hole in the beach and the eggs dropping out of it. Which I wonder if they got a turtle to sign a uh, you know 
a form. <laughs> I don't think you can walk into the hospital and just take random pictures of women squatting out kids. You know what I mean? But yeah, that, like this shot of the whales feeding. Oh man, it, it reminded me of Shahadoom. <laughs> yes, all you June fans. Yeah, it looked like the you know the 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 sandworm bursting out, grabbing a fopter. But these are whales, these are actual things. You know? And the crazy what they were saying is because um you know the, the whales are protecting their kids, right? And with all the ships, whether it's cruise ships, fishing boats, jet skis, all of this, it all creates noise, which in it impacts the, the, the sonar system that whales, dolphins, you know, sharks and all of that use. But also, you know, just the call, right? The call that they they put out. So, for the first time, they were seeing, like, mothers leave the cubs. Leave the cubs and go and feed. Because they've got to eat so many tons of fish, you know, to be able to feed and function and move. But it's hard. It's hard to do if you've got a bloody brat around your ankles, I mean, whales don't have ankles, but you get the gist, people, and um, they feed better in groups of adults, because they use their blower holes to send bubbles and create shoals of fish, it's fascinating, right, so yeah, then you see them burst out and feed, it's all, yeah, we get to see all of that, you know, and then going around the world, you know, we're seeing these empty train stations and things like this. You know, one crazy thing was there's no safaris, right? No safaris, which there's a lot around safaris, right? They're not great, but it's bringing money to some third world countries, you know, so it's all a tricky, tricky situation, but they create these lodges in in places, I know there's lodges in like, you know, South Africa, Malawi, you know, different places, but no one's there, because people aren't going on safari, so now they're empty, and it was showing how the animals were, you know, Taking back, and um, yeah, they got all the monkeys there and the different birds. But oh, people, there was a, a leopard had come out now. Leopards usually rock out at night, but this one, you know, it, it understood. Look, shit changes. Right, so, um, yeah, coming out during the day, hey, it can get food. But what was insane was you had the camera people filming some stuff and then suddenly this leopard is there, right? 
leopard is there, just walking so damn close to them. And hey, I ain't gonna lie. There's a there's a moment when you're just like, oh, I'd love to see it eat a cameraman. Love to see it eat a cameraman. I, I you know, and then you have to wonder, right? How many times, you know, because we get these incredible shots, you know, whales of, um, you know, like uh, penguins and you know, rhinos, elephants, leopards and cheetahs. How many times does something go, oh, camera person, I wonder what they taste like. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> because I have the feeling they won't tell you, right? They're not going to tell you that this shit happened or even show you and be like, um, you know, imagine uh, David Attenborough be like, uh, so this is how the female killer whales interact with each other. As you can see, they spot the cameraman and it's been a hard time. So, they decided to eat them. Look. Look at the way the whale ingests the camera person. Even the camera they ate. It's the circle of life, people. Yeah, that, we're not going to see that, are we? But it would be fascinating. But yeah, we're, but we're seeing the leopard owl. Now, the, the one thing is, because we're, we're seeing these different patterns... Right, we're seeing the way these animals are, are, are changing what they might normally be doing, but you have to wonder what's going to happen, you know, once everything opens up again. What's going to happen? You know, because we saw um, deer in Ma, right? So, these deer they you know, usually hanging out in the monastery. You know, so people come to the monastery and give them rice crackers. That's, that's, that's how they were feeding. But no people, no rice crackers. So you, you saw the deer have to figure something out. And it, the crazy thing is, the old deer, it's like elephants, they remember. Right, so it led a foraging party it was like the fellowship of the goddamn rings here we saw this party go out and find old feeding grounds right the, these little chunks of greenery that have been left amongst the development of housing and everything but Yo, they're just crossing the road. They're nonchalantly walking around. And once cars are up and going, they can't do that. So I think it was interesting watching this and seeing how an different animals, different animals have changed their, um, their breeding or feeding interaction patterns. But, right, what happens next? What happens next? So, 
they pondered the question, but there wasn't necessarily a whole heap of answers. It was very interesting to see what had been done in parts of India for um, elephants. It, and you have to say, it's something that was just like, I am surprised it took that long to do. I'm surprised it took that long to do. Um, but, yeah, I think what comes next, that's, that's the big thing. Because now you have all of these things, animals have changed, animals have become lax, and, and you see it in certain places, right, certain places where there's no predators, if a predator suddenly appears, oh, it's like taking friggin' candy from a baby on Epstein's island, you know, it's simple, because they don't expect it. Right? Don't expect it. So now, it's been a year. Been a year of deers and whatnot, just being nonchalant. What does that mean for them? Are we going to see? Now, as we've seen record numbers of births, you know, we, we've seen, you know, the, the fifing, the, the traffic, the shipping traffic dropped 17%. In the first three months of lockdown, right? Which is huge. So we've seen things like that. Global emissions dropped 6%. Biggest drop ever measured. All of these big things have happened. But does that then mean, right? The, the, the end part of this year, once everything is fully opened. Or at least in 2020. Will we see a record number of, you know, deaths, of deers being hit by cars, of, you know, just other stuff, or maybe human attacks, right? Because suddenly there's humans now, and they're like, oh, okay, fuck it, let's eat some of them. You Are we going to see that? Because of the way everything has, you know, shifted slightly. Who knows? But I will say this is a... It is a fascinating documentary. It's always interesting seeing, you know, the way animals interact. And the way they adapt. You know, just these simple little things. Simple little things. And these huge changes happen. Right? Now, something that was never really looked at, but... Something that you have to wonder, right? How did they all work it out? You know what I mean? Because lockdown just kind of happened, right? It just happened and everyone suddenly locked in. But, you know, animals, like, what? They went to a beach one day and we were like, mm, there's no one here. But, you know, straight away, you're not going to be like, all right, party. You're going to have to monitor that shit. So I wonder what the system was for them to, you know, let everyone be like, yo, something's going down. It seems um, there's no dumbasses on the beaches. Yeah, it's been like that for the last 20 days. Fuck it, let's come out. <laughs> what do they do? Do animals have their own Twitter? Hmm. 
Who knows? Who knows? But people, the earth, so the year the earth changed, it won't give you that answer, but it will show you some stuff. We'll show you some stuff, and you get to listen to David Attenborough. So, um, hey, <laughs> how can you beat that, right? And it is available on Friday on Apple Plus. So, yes, you're going to need Apple Plus. But if you get to watch this, it might be worth it, people. It might well be worth it. So, um, yeah, have a, have a check, see if there's any offers, maybe. You know, go check it out. Because this is a pretty nifty documentary. So yeah, there you go. The year the earth changed. Yo, I have to say, right? There is a new film just about to drop called Into the Labyrinth. And the poster, the poster that is attached to all the... um. All, all the press information is very misleading. Very misleading. It makes it look like it's a sci-fi film. Now, I imagine if you probably read all the blurb, it, it will probably make it clear it's not a sci-fi film. But it looks like a sci-fi film. And this is not a sci-fi film. Also, the other, I think another big thing is a lot of this film is bloody subtitled. Oh, my days, right? It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's subtitled. It's so frustrating. But the thing is, I was hooked because the first, I think it's eight minutes are in English. So you don't know, right? You don't know that a big chunk of it is in Italian. And so it was so interesting. I was a bit like, all right, I'm going to try and make this work. And that's what I did, people. That's what I did for you. I'm a motherfucking martyr, right? Which, I mean, is fitting. We just had Easter, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Buy me eggs. But anyway, into the labyrinth, right? So it is, um, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because it's, um, it's based on a book, right? Based on a book. Um, I believe that's the correct thing. Uh, yeah, I do believe it is. From uh, Donato... Carissi, right, that's what I believe, he wrote the novel, and he also adapted that, along with, um, Marizio Toti, and Alexandro Uzi, um, Carisso directed it, and also produced, cinematography is Federico Massero. It's edited by Massimo Quagliglia. Um, 
Podcast-wise, we have Dustin Hoffman. That's right, people. Dustin Hoffman, right, jumped in an Italian film. Yes, he plays Dr. Green. We have Tony Saviglio as Bruno Genko. We've got Valentina Bell as Samantha Andretti. Vincicio Macaroni as Simon Berish. We've got um, Katisanya Shula as Linda. Um, Ricardo Sicknagla as Paul McClansky. Um, yeah, there's some of our... There are main players, I'd probably say. Orlando Sinek as Bua. Uh, Filippi Dino as Dela Cruz. Um, Sergio Leone as Bunny, but I'd imagine it's a different Sergio Leone. Right? So, um, yes, they're our major players, people. And, um, the gist of the film is this, okay? So, uh, a young girl is kidnapped, right? Kidnapped and found again 15 years after her abduction. So, um, they get a celebrated psychiatrist to try and deal with her trauma and retreat. And a retired detective who only has hours to live is ready to put all on the line to find a vicious killer. Will he be able to succeed? And um, who is the real villain? Dum, dum, dum. It is fascinating. It's fascinating, right? So it starts off, and uh, we we have, you know, we see a, a young girl walking down the road, stopping by a van, using its window as a uh, mirror to put on her lipstick, and then all of a sudden, pow, she gets grabbed, right? Then we're in the hospital. We were going from someone lying in the bed, their perspective, and, um, you know, all drugged. It's like they've just woken up, so it's all, like, hazy and starts to get clearer, right? And she falls off the bed, and then Dr. Green comes in, and this whole conversation starts, right? So it's this whole conversation of, oh, do you know where you are, right? Do you, do you know what's going on? And... You know, she's just like, oh, no, I mean, this is a trick. This is a trick. You know, because we find out that, yeah, Samantha, she, um, you know, being held captive for all of these years, she was made to um, play these games, right, to get stuff, to stay alive. And she believes that's what this is. So, the, you know, the doctor is trying to help her, you know, get her senses back, right? To, to be reacclimatized. So we have all of this. And then we jump to um, 
Genko. Right, we jump to Genko, and he's kind of uh, attachment to all of this. Right, which again, no. So this, when we jump to Genko, that's when it gets all uh, foreign. <laughs> no, that's when it's all, you know, <sighs> subtitled. God damn it! God. Damn it. But it is very interesting. Now, one crazy thing, like, the film uses these really interesting approaches to kind of build up the atmosphere of scenes and everything. You know, like, the first time we meet Genko. So it goes from this overview and kind of pans down. Right? So... You're wondering about it. Is It's like, oh, what is this? But it's a view of him on the toilet, right? He's on the toilet, so it's a weird scene. I, I mean, he's not doing anything. He's trying to kill himself. But, yeah, that's how we meet him. You know, so it's all, you know, so it's just, it's, it's, it's an interesting introduction, right? And there's a lot of that within this film. And I think there's a lot of stuff you, you should definitely pay attention to. So the, the way the film works, we're jumping between Samantha and Genko. You know, so he... Because he fucked up, right? So he's basically trying to correct something that he didn't do correctly back in the past. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's discovered he's, well, he's known he's ill for a while, right? But it's just getting to the point where um it's probably it. So we're seeing him kind of try and make peace with life and get all his chickens in a row, but also trying to solve this case. And he meets different people along the way, right? Meets these different people along the way. He's got a escort friend, you know, who, um, yeah, we 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 meet. He, uh, you know, has to. Vi- oh, I mean, there's the cops. Him and the cops don't necessarily get on, but he does get on with. A um, missing persons detective. So it's how all of these things intertwine, right? And the more the story unfolds, the weirder it is getting. Like rabbits and the like. And you do kind of think, hold on, is this a sci fi film maybe? Like, what is going on? This is kind of bizarre. Right, it's getting weirder and weirder, which is great, right? Because you don't know what is happening. So there's certain, I feel, I feel there's certain assumptions that you might make. There's certain things that you think, oh, I think the film is this. I believe they're leading us in this direction, and it it fools you. Right, it's giving you all these different looks, 
all these faints, all these red herrings, and then it's taking you in other directions, and sometimes it's taking you into a direction you thought it might go in, but it approaches it in a completely different way, which is fascinating, it is fascinating, now there are moments where you're just like, oh my god, what is he doing, like, what is he doing, and the one part of the film that bugs the hell out of me, right, and it's a silly thing, but his keys, phone and wallet are on a table, all next to each other, and he only grabs the keys, and I'm just like, but you grab everything, everything is there, you wouldn't not grab the other stuff, right, why wouldn't you grab the other stuff, like, it's just a little innocuous thing, but I'm just like, ah, why, but other than that, it is, story-wise, story-wise, it is, it's very compelling, it is very compelling, right, because, no one is, you know how, I think, in um, a lot of stories, you get, like, the lovable, roguish cop, and that kind, he's not really that, like, he's an old dude, and you kind of think, like, with some of the stuff that he's done, you're like, yeah, he's an arsehole, Right, he's a bit of an arsehole, but it's not trying to change your opinion on that. You know, it's just telling this story. You know, and he's got because he's an old wily dude. He's got his insights, right? So he's got his insights, and he's clashing with the cops, but he's working some things out. Other things he hasn't quite got. Right, but it's. All unfolding in this odd manner that is, oh man, you, you're just hooked. You are hooked. And this film, people, it's a, I don't know, it, it's just over two hours, right? Just over two hours. And as I said, look, half of the film is bloody subtitled. So this took me, I don't know. Three hours, maybe, maybe longer to watch this film. Because it's just like you're having to rewind. And they just do the irritating thing where, you know, there's no border on the subtitle. So sometimes, you know, there's a light background. And so you've got this white text and you can't really make it out. And it's just infuriating. So they do that. They do that. But, yeah, yeah, story-wise, this is, oh, it's fascinating, it is fascinating, and I love the way it all unfolds, right, some of the, some of the little things it does, like, there's, there's things happen, like, certain things turn up, and you're thinking, oh, I bet something's happened to, and then when you get the, reveal on that, just that little thing, it's just like, oh, 
I didn't think it was going to go there. Right? Now, it's because it's so weird, you do wonder about the validity of some of the things. Right? And, and the way we're shown certain sequences, it's just like, is this a dream? Is this really reality? What is this? But all of this stuff keeps you slightly off balance, but not off balance in a way where they're forcing you to assume certain things. They're forcing you down certain paths. No, no, no. It's just the kind of trippy way the story's being told without being a, I'd say, a trippy hedonistic film, right? It is crime noir-esque, but just told in this odd kind of way, which leads you to misstep, right, and confuse yourself, which is great. And the end, yo, the end is great. The end is truly great, because... It does a few different things, people. Does a few does a few different things, which throws you completely throws you, and I enjoyed that because you know I think when you get this first kind of thing, you're like, okay, that's yeah, cool. Then you get another thing, and you're like, oh. Then you get something else, and you're like, god damn. That is, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. You know, it's, because it's not, I wouldn't say it is fully like these films, but I think it, it plays off kind of, Common sentiments like, uh, oh gosh, what's the film with, uh, oh man, it's the detective in the wheelchair. They've made a prequel series and the film starred Denzel Washington, the bone collector. Yes, so there's elements of like the bone collector, seven kiss the girls. Right, there's there's lots of kind of things in here, some missing, well, missing, usual suspects, right? There's all of these kind of vibes, vibes that are floating through the film. But the film has its own personality, you know? It has its own sense of worth, which is great. Because, again, also, it's just this interesting way they film it. You know, the different uses of light and darkness and colour. Because it's not an overly, you know, bright film. But they, yeah, there's certain places that have more colour or different types of colour. Like greens and reds and... You know, stuff like the um, Missing Persons Bureau is a, a fascinating um, visual drop, right? It, it's just like, oh, man, this is crazy. And it's just things like that in the film 
that, yeah, just keep you engaged, keep you wondering, you know, because, yeah, you do kind of ponder what is the truth and what isn't, you know, there's things that you see and you're like, wait, is that person really there, is that person a ghost, like, what is this, uh, I will say, listen, the payoff is, ah, payoff is great, payoff is superb, people, I definitely recommend this film, it will be dropping on Monday, okay, so Monday the 19th of April, you can get this um, on a DVD or digital download, so um, yeah, however you like to uh, digest your viewing pleasure, people, you have choices, so um, as we usually do, there's links in the episode information, so yeah, go um, go pre-order whichever format you want, go check out the trailer, because yeah, this is a little different, people, it's a little different, and that is the spice of life, you know what I mean, so, if you like your, um, if you like your crime, right, if you like things a little bit different, right, then I would say, go into the labyrinth could very well be for you, because the acting, acting is great, right, you think Hoffman, oh, is this one of those ones where someone does, you know, a, 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 a straight to video, <laughs> you know, some janky Seaver to go. No, 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 no. This high quality, fantastic, you know, performances, fantastic performances from everyone involved, people. So, yeah, even with the subtitles, I dug it, which means a lot means a lot, people, so, yes, into the labyrinth, Monday the 19th of April, go get you some. Okay, people, so, we have reached the end of another episode, but before we do, let's go and take a look and see what is happening in the world of film So, um, people you, you must know We are getting a fifth iteration Of the Indiana Jones franchise I believe it's going to be the last time Harrison Ford throws on the hat and the whip Well, I mean, on screen <laughs> Who knows what he's going to be doing behind closed doors but, people, Phoebe Waller-Bridge has signed on to play the female lead for um, this new film, right? It's getting directed by James Mangold, and John Williams will be scoring the piece. Now, the big question is, did Waller-Bridge get a clause in the contract that means she doesn't have to lips up the 78-year-old... <laughs> Who knows We will find out Probably next year when the film drops Alright so um, We're getting a new Shazam film People 
Shazam Fury of the Gods and in this film we are getting um, a surprise right because Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu are gonna be sisters yep 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 sisters and gods right so um Mirren will be playing Hespira she is the I believe she is the main villain of the piece and um, Lucy Liu will be playing Calypso yeah her sister and um yeah their their dad is the Titan Atlas you know, Zachary Levy and uh, Asha Angel are back to play the different iterations of Billy Baston. So yeah, fans of the first film, you have this to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So um, David F. Sandberg will be directing and Henry Gaiden is on the duty of the script so if you're a fan of basketball people you might very well know the name Pete Maverick or Pistol Pete as he was known by right so um you know he had a an all-star career but was played with um you know was played by tragedy and demons so uh steve nash right the nba hall of famer is bringing the story to the big screen um with the help of uh, brad Furman, who will be on board to direct ezra holland Pete Lawson, Jake Semptus, and Brett Rapkin will be producing. Mm-hmm. And um, people, you may have enjoyed films such as The Creed of Violence, right? But it's been 15 years, 15 years since, you know, Todd Field last made something but that is to end because he has got a new film and it's called Tar right coming via Focus Features and um, it's going to be starring Kate Blanchett haha so all we know as of right now is um, it's set in Berlin but that's it but yes fans of Todd Field you can rejoice right so in other news people um Dave Batista right former wrestler he's suddenly becoming a bit of an actor right Guardians My Spy and a host of other films well he's got a new piece coming um with uh, brad pinton directing it's another sci-fi piece and it's called universe's most wanted all right so the story is um a uh, a spaceship carrying the universe's most wanted and dangerous criminals 
crash lands in a small town in America, right? But lucky for the town, the sheriff and his son help the aliens, you know, and the intergalactic peacekeepers stop all of these dangerous individuals invading the town and taking over the world. Bum, bum, bum. Batista will also be producing the piece. Okay, so, um, other news, people. Right, so, um, if you're a fan of, um, the 1993 book from Chris Pike, Season of Passage, well, good news for you people, is Universal are bringing it to the big screen. So Mike Flanagan has um, come on board to direct, produce, and he will also be um, co-writing with uh, James Flanagan, who I'm assuming could be a relative. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, the book uh, it, it was set in the U.S. And uh, it was about a manned exhibition to Mars, right? Which follows in the wake of a Russian one that went missing before them. Were they simply dead or did something else happen to them, right? Now, the terror starts long before any of them ever leave the ground as vivid nightmares and unexplainable dread of the dead planet rises up. Dr. Lauren Wagner, an admired and respected member of the crew, his voice is inside, entreating her to love them. Dum, dum, dum. So yeah, could be an interesting film, people. Could be an interesting film. So uh, yeah, other news. Have you ever wondered what Kelsey Grammer would be like as a rock and roll star? Hmm. <laughs> well, we will soon find out in the space between. Right, this is the directorial debut of Rachel Winter. And um, it's set in the 90s. Right, LA. And it follows an eccentric musician who is becoming a bit of a has-been. Right, his record label are tired of him, want to get rid of him. So they force one of their um, mailroom employees to uh, go to his house and get him to, um, you know, sign himself out of his contract. But obviously, people, that doesn't happen. They become fast friends and help him resurrect his career so along with grammar um william fitchner will be starring in the piece okay so um also liam neeson he's got a new film and he's bringing along uh 
host of talented individuals such as Monica Belushi, Taj Atwal, Harold Torres, Guy Pearce and Ray Fearon. Alright, so um, the film is called Memory and it's being directed by Martin Campbell. So, um, yeah, in this piece, Neeson plays Alex, an expert assassin with a reputation for discreet precision, um, who refuses to complete a job for a dangerous criminal organization. He quickly becomes the group's target, forcing him to hunt down those who want him dead while staying ahead of the FBI. Mm-hmm. All right, so, um, yes. Could be interesting. I thought Neeson had stopped making uh, action films, but uh, eh, looks like he's got at least one more. So Dario Scardapan is um, writing the script, uh, which is an adaptation of the Jeff Goritas book, Zack Alzheimer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Now, this is interesting. So Mark Miller, right? He signed a deal with Netflix a few years ago for um, them to be able to adapt his Miller World comic book imprint. And we've already seen some, um, you know, some of that happen, right? We're getting Jupiter's Legacy in a few weeks' time. But now we find out that... um, there's a, a new film on its way. So this one is an adaptation of uh, Starlight, right? So uh, Joe Cornish, he's going to be directing and writing the script. And um, this, right, the story follows an intergalactic hero called Duke McQueen, who saved the Earth decades ago but once he returns from the stars no one believes he did a thing right so you know he decides to settle down right he's got a family but one day years later a spaceship turns up asking him to um, come out of retirement and save the earth one more time so uh, Simon Kinberg Audrey Chon and Neera Park are producing the film dum 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 alright so also another interesting piece right Netflix are um, teaming with Legendary to make a live-action Gundam film. Aha! Uh-huh. Right, it's gonna be written by Brian K. Vaughan and directed by Jordan Voigt Wright. Right, so uh, yeah, set. You know, it's obviously based on the classic. 
1970s series Mobile Suit Gundam Right um, Yeah And this uh, Basically the story is Those living in the colonies Seek their autonomy And launch a war of independence With battles fought by piloting Robots known as Mobile suits Dum 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 it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they bring this to life. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm on board to check that one out. And if you are fans of Burt Kreiser's Two Bears One Cave, which he does with Tom Segura, right? For a while now, he's been teasing that uh, he's got a little project that he's going to be doing, but. Saying he can't talk about it And then all of a sudden Today <laughs> In Chrysler style He drops a, a video on Instagram Of him getting on a plane With Mark Hamill Alright, so the big news is Burt Chrysler is filming The Machine Ha ha and um, Hamill will be playing his dad in this um, new film. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be interesting, right? Now, if you don't know the machine story, oh, people, you are missing out. So, uh, go check out Burt Chrysler's special, his first special on Netflix, or just type the machine into YouTube and you will be in oh man you will be in for a treat for sure because it is hilarious so people yeah do that and um that's us we are done for another week I hope you've enjoyed the episode and um yeah we should be dropping finally our flare coverage on Saturday, people. So keep an eye out for that. One more chin check tomorrow. So yeah, that's us, people. Enjoy your weekend, and we will see you next Thursday for more film talk. All right, a peace. Bring his whole crew, it's just a bigger piece of cake for me to chew a hole through. I just love when a nigga bring his whole crew, it's just a bigger piece of cake for me to chew a hole through.